0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, May 14th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to read one verse. And then, and then I'm going to ask you, if you would, to turn to Exodus chapter 14, I'm going to read the whole chapter. But before I do, I wanted to um, just wish every mother a good, happy Mother's Day. And so there really shouldn't. My mother is here today, and, some, and, and lots of mothers here. Um, and so there really should never be a day that we do not honor and give thanks um, for our mothers. Um, and so happy Mother's Day. And, uh, and um, we're, we're glad to see everyone today and, um, and hope you guys have a really good week as, as mothers and kids, and not just kids, but older folks too. Let's try to make our mothers' weeks really good, but not just this week, certainly every, every week. Um, well, let me read from Hebrews 11 verse 29, and then I'm going to go back and read Exodus 14, the entire chapter, and then we'll pray and we'll get started. So, Hebrews 11, verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea, as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And then back to Exodus 14. And I'm going to read the entire chapter because this is the story of what Hebrews 11:29 speaks of. Exodus 14, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of, I, don't, I can't pronounce all of these words, but phihiroth between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. So they've come to the Red Sea, fled from Egypt, they've come out of Egypt, been delivered from Egypt, come to the Red Sea. They are wandering in the land, excuse me, for Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people, and they said, what is this that we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot, took his army with him. He took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and his army, and they overtook them, encamped at the sea by pi hi in front of Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. That's... The topic of today's sermon here a lot of it is 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 how we fear and the people of israel cried out to the lord and they said to moses is it because there are no graves in egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness what have you done to us in bringing us out of egypt oh how quickly they forget is not this what we said to you in egypt leave us alone that we may serve the egyptians For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And here's what Moses says, verse 13. Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you will have only to be silent. And we're going to stop there. With that in mind, let's pray together and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these words. And as we're in Hebrews 11 and we're speaking of faith, Father, we we know that you, you made faith for one reason, that we might... Be connected, be united, that we might be believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That we, <clears throat> this is so important. And Father, we know the Old Testament saints looked forward, and we look backward to the Gospel of Christ. But Father, today I pray that in, in this picture of Israel in the wilderness there at the Red Sea, that it will help us to see Christ. Help us to see the gospel. Help us in in the trials that come in, in this life. Father, may Jesus increase. May we decrease. Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work. Father, we just give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title for the sermon today is The Faith of Israel at the Red Sea. And so I've got four lessons about Faith during trials. Um, let me go ahead and I didn't write them down at the beginning, but let me go ahead and and, and give them to you. The first one is this: <clears throat> God's people will face great trials. So that's number one. Number two: God's people are often terrified by their enemies. That's that's number two. Number three: God's people are often troubled with with hearts that are faint. So we have faint hearts. And then finally, the last truth, God's people know how to act during trials. So with that in mind, just this week, just to tip off this sermon, I spoke with a lady, and I asked her this week how she was doing. And this was, this was out where I, <clears throat> I was having my car worked on, and she, it was obvious in her face. She was just down. And she said, it's really, really difficult. So I asked her what what was going on. And without sharing names or anything, she said her son's best friend was killed on Highway 85 in a motorcycle accident. And this man was uh, a young man, 29 or 30 years old. And he left a, a wife and two young girls. And I'm not sure if this lady was a Christian or not, but she was really down. But I was just taken by her story, and I thought, oh, how difficult that is, and how difficult it, it, that will continue to be, because her son is actually the, the godfather of their, of their children, and so I think that all of us understand these types of things, we, we get it, um, especially those who are, who are older, for sure, because life has just thrown us more and more things, and as I always say, life is short. And full of troubles, and you know, all of us and the the world, and as we'll see, Christians, we all have we all have our coping mechanisms. I think the world mostly just just grins and, and bears through it, takes it day by day. As as time will heal things, and and time passes slowly. And you know, Christians and non Christians are in the same boat in this regard. Um, but as Christians. We have the most precious help, um, and that's really what this sermon is about. And it is faith, faith in the promises of God, which is what the book of Hebrews is about, chapter 11. So today, we come to the story of the Red Sea, arguably the greatest trial in, in the history of Israel, although we can name many, many more, but this one, it's, it's been shared, and we've read it so many times over so many years. And so it was humongous in their life. And so I have four lessons for us, and I've already shared them. So let's begin. First lesson. God's people face great trials. So this is just the obvious. Life is full of trials. We look back to the story of, of the Hebrews. I'm sure that living as slaves in Egypt, enduring under the rule of a foreign king, and you know the nation they were living under there in Egypt, they they experienced great trials. I can't imagine that the the laws of the land <clears throat> come against you that you might that you would be told that you have to kill all of your males, firstborn males, or not just firstborn males, but all all males born. I can't imagine such a law. Um, but when they come to the Red Sea, this was even greater because they were facing certain death. And so after leaving Egypt, they came there to this sea in the desert and after reading what we just read Pharaoh says, "Hey, they're out in the desert now. We can go, they're going to wander around, not many resources. I'm sure we can bring them back in and get them." Although the Bible says God was in charge as he hardened Pharaoh's heart. <clears throat> but they are there in front of the sea and then behind them comes the Egyptian armies. They cannot flee. There is nowhere they can go. They had no warriors. They were not a... they have been there for 10 generations. And they weren't a warring people. So they didn't know what to do there. They didn't have chariots or horses or weapons to defend themselves. And so the only thing, the only option for them was, was death, which is probably what was coming. They thought that's what's coming with, <clears throat> with the armies of Pharaoh. Or maybe some of us may be able to go back into slavery. Well, when we think about that and move that forward to us, in the same kind of way, God places very difficult trials in the lives of His people. Not just speaking about the world, we're talking about God's people. If you are a person of faith here today, this is for you. And though these trials may happen at various times in our lives, I think particularly of, just quickly here, I think of new Christians. I remember when I first became a Christian, my first big trial was, hey, are you going to continue to live in the way you lived with the, with all of my baseball buddies at Appalachian when I was there, and hardly any Christians on the team, and what was I going to do, and how was I going to respond to just physically knowing, and in my mind, knowing I'm going to, I can't live like I was living, I need to be different, and I'm going to be different, because Christ commands and God says, be holy as I am holy. And so what a test. And, and I can just say I did lose a lot of friends. Now, they would still say they're my friends, but we, we didn't have the same things in common anymore. And so my, my friendships changed. And I did lose a lot of, a lot of friends. My life changed drastically. And, and as I look back to that time so many hurdles of that those changes that were taking place in my life when I first became a became a Christian. And uh, and yes, I failed but slowly but surely month after month and and getting involved in church and in friendships changing to true Christians surely by the grace of God I changed. But I remember those years were being very as being very very difficult. I think of of those of you who are younger, that are in high school particularly, and in college, who name the name of Christ, and who would say clearly, I am a person of faith. I know. And I think all of us who've been there know how difficult it can be and how difficult. But God says, Stand, stand firm in your godliness. And so I think about you a lot of times. And I, I think about not just younger Christians, but even older Christians. Um, who also face lots of, of trials. Uh, it seems like my body, I, maybe it's not wasting away, but uh, it certainly is. And some of us who are even older can say, man, my, and even younger, my body is wasting away for sure, because things in that regard get harder and more difficult, and the trials continue to come. <clears throat> now, it's, when I think about younger and older Christians, though, And I think younger Christians have more. I think it's just that they're at different stages in their life. And so they haven't matured as much. And so in their sanctification process, you see a lot more issues and a lot more particular types of sin. As you get older, you might see more faithfulness, but yet it seems like the sins move to the heart more as we get older, for sure. But Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever situation. And I think that uh, just how a church handles trials, tribulations, not just a church trial, but in each of you individually and in your families, how you handle trials is, a, is an indication of maturity um, as, as you go through, as we go through things together, if, that we do not particularly grumble and complain, but endure with godliness. Um, and I think this is by faith. Clearly, in the promises of God. And so, when we think about this, examples are great and they abound. It, today, it may be in your own family, as some of your family may not be Christians and they are hardened and they're moving away from the Lord, but yet, as a mother or a father or grandparent <clears throat> or whoever, you are praying for them and you see that in your own family. Instead of peace in your family, it may be a, a sword. Maybe it's in your workplace as you may be asked to do something that goes against your conscience as a Christian. That could be a great trial because standing up may mean the loss of your livelihood and the means to even provide for your family. And at what point do you decide enough is enough here? I I think that could be certainly different for everyone. I, I think about our just generally, a general statement with our entertainment culture, and it's hitting Every church in America, for sure, especially even how we've just seems like even the change in sports culture has gone to a level that we're just like, what in the world are we doing? And so I hope and pray that, that we and those who come along do not fall to the idolatry that can come through just. This entertainment culture that we live in. Because I think if we succumb to that, then we will see later on the fruits of those. And we won't like them very much. I'm, I'm afraid that, anyway, I'm, I'm very afraid there. And I, I see that as, as a great idolatry in our culture. As the Hebrews, when we go back to them, thought it would be easy, I think, to leave Egypt, though. They never thought that such a great trial would come to them at the Red Sea so quickly. And so trials come. So that's truth number one. Truth number two, God's people are often terrified by their enemies, by powerful enemies. I cannot imagine how terrified, I don't think any of us have ever been in this situation, how terrified the Israelites were were on the shores of the Red Sea. There they were, with all their children, at least a million men and then their wives and all the children, there were no real weapons for war. And so without a miracle, there would be no escape. There is a sea there that is, that is impassable and an army on the back of them. And so if you think about that, how natural would their terror be? I still, I've, I've shared this three or four times, but one of the, still sits in my memory that the big, the big waves that came into Japan and destroyed so much. And someone is there with a video camera, and there they went. I can't imagine, even Kristen and I saw this movie called Deep Impact, with the water coming in from that meteor that hit. Just to think, this is coming. Danger, not just danger, but sure destruction. I think that's what the Israelites would have felt there in front of the Red Sea. And they would have been fearful. Very, very fearful. So when we think about fear, though, as Christians, I want to go a little bit deeper here for just a few minutes. It seems to me that when I read the entire Bible, Old Testament and New, and I think about fear, <clears throat> it is, it's is—it's pretty clear to me that, that that people of faith are usually not... And again, this is hard, and I'll try to explain this a little bit better. But they're usually not fearful of the physical things that come their way. They do not fear so much what will happen to their physical bodies. Um, and <clears throat> I, I, when I read, particularly and I get to the New Testament, the apostles, the disciples, they do not fear persecutions and the consequences of standing up for, for God and the gospel. They do not even fear death. We see that as as something that, that Christians do not fear. And we tend to play that down a bit. Oh, yeah, but we don't know what death is, and we all fear it. Well, of course we all have this fear of death. But what I'm reading, Christians in the New Testament didn't have a fear of death at all. And we see it over and over again. Jesus says this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. So there's obviously, obviously some fear. We'll come back to that. And after that, they have nothing more that they can do. I think of all the prophets of old who suffered great persecutions. They faced their trials bravely, without fear. Now, again, this is, a, this is a general statement. There is fear. but I think of Daniel in the lion's den. We don't gather that he was very fearful, do we? Well, at least we're not told. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, even if you kill us, we will not bow down to you. And there they are thrown into the fiery furnace. I think of the early Christians when they were beaten with rods. They didn't, they didn't say, oh, I'm fearful of these. They said, I'm, I'm fearful of God who, like Jesus says, has the power to throw my soul into hell. I'm, I'm fearful of those things. But I think of Paul as he traveled to Jerusalem. And on the way there, he spoke with the Ephesian elders. And here's what he says. He says, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, I've done everything God has commanded me to do, and I know, and I will not see you again, those elders. And they wept there. He said, I know what awaits me in Jerusalem. And he says, there will be these persecutions. They are coming my way, but I am going in boldness. Look over Hebrews 11, verses 35 to 38. Speaking of those who have faith. <clears throat> and so, this, this, is, this is something that I see in the, in the Scriptures. Christians are not scared or f- fearful of death and the physical things of this life. And again, I'm going to keep talking about that. But when we go back to Israel at the Red Sea, they were right at the very beginning of their salvation, okay? <clears throat> they have been living in idolatry for, we don't know how long, but for 400 years, I imagine from what i've read and what i've studied at the beginning they were very they had they had great faith but the next generation next generation next generation 10 generations later we find them to be an idolatrous people okay and so they had moved way 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 away from god and they would have continued if god would not have worked but at this particular time in those people's lives they were at the beginning they were we might say young in the faith again think about what i just shared as a new christian a, a, <clears throat> even in my own example. In the beginning of my faith, I was filled with great joy and relief and praise. I could not, and those of you who know me, know that I could not get over my salvation experience when I came to the Lord because I knew that my sins had been forgiven. Though I had professed Christ and I was in church and I had been baptized, but I, my heart was, was still hard and it was still dead. And God changed me. And so you, you know that story, God saved my soul, not from physical slavery though, but from slavery to sin and death. But it wasn't long, <clears throat> wasn't long as I began to read my Bible and I read these words of Paul, Romans 7, another law in my members is warring against the law of my mind and brings me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. I think now and I'm speaking to Christians. I'm not speaking to non-Christians right now, because I know that I don't, I don't presume that everyone here in here is a Christian, but to Christians. Our biggest battles, our biggest trials, are not so much physical. And that kind of goes back to what I was speaking about about not how, how we see Christians not being fearful of all these physical things. And nobody wants to get eaten by a shark. No one wants the Red Sea to swallow them up. Of course there is this fear, but generally speaking, we don't fear those things, those physical things. Our biggest trials are spiritual, and if you are a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. Satan pursues, particularly the young Christian, and he pursues older ones as well. He's always seeking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then when we look inwardly, we find in our own selves sin. That's my biggest battle, sin, my own sin. And if you are a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. It is sin. Sin remains. And this is obvious. So let me ask you, which of you I mean, if you're not a Christian, you're not struggling with sin in the way the Christian struggles with sin. You're just struggling because you got caught or you did something that society or culture says you shouldn't do. But Christians know what I'm talking about because it comes from the heart, because we have the Holy Spirit. Sin remains. And so, which of us, which of you, has not struggled with your own sin this week? And the more that you grow, the more that we grow as Christians, the more we experience this reality. I used to think when I was younger that <clears throat> that I would just grow and grow in the Lord and things would get even more and more you know, it, things would get better. And but not in the way that I now 55 years old look forward, look back and go, yeah, it's not doesn't become some utopia, okay, in the Christian life. In fact, for the for in many ways things get Harder because of sin that, that remains. And, and so, back in Egypt, thinking back to, to Israel, before they were delivered, the taskmasters, taskmasters used whips. But at the Red Sea, they came with chariots and horses and the weapons of destruction. So, brothers and sisters, the most powerful enemies are still sin and death and our own struggles as we bear the enmity that God placed in this world because of the fall. That's why we have all the issues today. That's why we struggle with sin. There is an enmity between a holy God and a sinful man. And yes, in Christ, by faith, we are now seated with Him in the heavenlies. Our sins are forgiven, but sin is Remains and it is prevalent in this world. I think that I find myself more terrified today of my own wanderings. I, I think of the song, I'm prone to wander, and my own lack of devotion to God than I have ever, ever known in my life. And this w- way, give me the physical trials. If my heart is not loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then what? there's no comparison. Give me the hardships. Give me the pain. Give me every, all these things that come because of sin. But don't let me and don't let my heart continue to move away. There is my struggle for sure. Yet, it is still the same principle. For me and for you as a Christian, as you struggle with this life, with trials, with fear, it is still faith in the promises of God that he will carry you all the way to heaven. And he will keep you in this life. One quick application. Back to just fear. In reality, we do fear physical trials. I'm, I'm not saying we don't. It's just a different kind of fear. But when we consider the promises of God, these fears lessen. L-E-S-S-E-N. They less. They become less. And they can even subside. Think of Proverbs 28.1. When think about the Christian, think about the world. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked, or the unrighteous person, the person without faith, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing Non-Christians are fearful always, no matter what. There's something that's going to get them. There's something that's going to cause them despair. There's something that they are fearful of, and rightly so, because they're separated from, from, from their God. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. This is faith, faith in the promises of God. So that's truth number two. Truth number, lesson number three. God's people are often troubled with faint hearts. When the Hebrews looked back and saw the armies of Pharaoh, they were afraid. When they looked forward, they saw the sea, they were afraid. And then they grumbled, they complained, and I think it it goes way beyond grumbling and complaining. It was fearful grumbling and complaining. There was a real danger. As far as they could see, there was no escape. <clears throat> they were driven to despair. I think when we look at the trials of our lives, even when it's not persecution, we've come to the point sometimes where we, we do not see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are right in the midst of it, and we don't know what's going on and w- what will happen, and we fear. I get that. And we have faint hearts. One of the best examples, I think, in the New Testament is in Mark 4. Let me, let me read a bit there. You know the story. Jesus and his disciples in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> and it says this, And leaving the crowd, they took him, they, <clears throat> they took him with them in the boat. So the disciples, the apostles there, and Jesus. They took him in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I think that's what the Israelites are saying to Moses. And he awoke. Jesus awoke. He rebuked the wind and the sea. And and he said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So here... Putting together faith and, and, and fear. And they were filled with great fear, not from the storm anymore. They, if the storm was peaceful. They were filled with fear because Jesus, the one that stood with them in the boat, was the one who calmed the storm. And they said, Who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? So when the Hebrews saw the imminent danger and threat, When the disciples in this story saw the storm and realized they were going to die, what happened to their faith? Well, the Israelites had just seen the ten plagues, the great power of God to deliver them out of Egypt. The disciples had just seen Jesus' power to heal, to cast out demons. They saw his authority in the previous days coming up to this time. And in both cases, their acts did not accord with faith. And so Jesus says to his disciples, Have you still no faith? And so, how are we doing is my question. How are you doing in your faith when I speak of such things? This is a big question. It is true that Christians can get troubled and faint in their heart when trials come our way, when death in in the family comes, when sickness comes up again and then the sickness doesn't go away. And it continues, and maybe it stays. It's permanent, even unto death. When anxiety or depression seems to be, that's normal. When you say to yourself, that is just normal for my life. When you look around and you see all the idolatry, all the anti-God things, all the truth claims being made that are not truth, when your job is, is overwhelming you, when your kids are not Christians and you are trusting God for them, but it is bringing you to despair, all of these things. <laughs> and I haven't mentioned, having begun to mention, what the Bible mostly mentions in these things is persecutions. I haven't even mentioned those things. How are we being persecuted as Christians? I'm, I'm not... Convinced that that we are to the extent, but again, church history goes like this. Christians have peace, then they are persecuted. And we don't know in each case, in each country, in each civilization, in each culture, how that will go. But I haven't even mentioned those things. And so, you know, I know this is not science. Speaking of faith is not so black and white we are all at different places. All of us are at different places in our walk. Some of us have been Christians for many, many years. Some have been Christians for just a very short time. And so we're all at different places in our sanctification process. I get that. And Jesus says some. So we would you should expect a Christian who's been a Christian for 40 years to have more faith in these times, and you should expect a one-year-old Christian to be more faint. But It's all relative. Jesus says some will produce tenfold, some twentyfold, some thirtyfold, some even a hundredfold. But I think there is a principle we can say. When faith is low or it is dim, life will be much harder in every way. And so it just comes back to even, I, I know that myself, when I am not doing all that I can do through reading the Word, through gathering with God's people, through praying, using the means of grace, taking the Lord's Supper. And when I'm, when I'm out of those things, faith tends to... to well, I'm using it in a manner of speaking, guys. It lessens, okay? And we have a more difficult time, do we not, when we are not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, the very means of grace that God gives us. A.W. Pink, by the way, I, <clears throat> I've been using him a lot. And even for some of these points today. <clears throat> but here's what he says. He says, when faith is dormant, the most insignificant stream will make us quiver and cry. <clears throat> saying that I shall be drowned in the flood. But a strong faith will not fear the oceans of difficulties in this, in this life. So how we handle life's trials is directly linked to faith. And so I asked, do you believe promises of God in Christ? So with that in mind, let me move on to, to the final truth lesson this morning. And this, this one will be a little bit more applicable, I think. But number four, God's people know how to act during trials. Okay, we know that. We know how we're supposed to act. Israel came out, maybe give them a little bit less, more of a break. They should have known. They should have known, but they didn't and so it's kind of obvious when we think about our story this morning they should have known but they did not so Moses reminds them so in our story as the people feared the Egyptians and the sea and they grumbled against Moses he says to them notice if you're there in in, in Exodus 14 you're welcome to go back to verse 13 and 15 but here's what Moses says to them this is very important for us so, I want you to get this. He says, Fear not and stand firm. So, fear not, stand firm. And then he says, See the salvation of the Lord. And then, three, he says, Go forward. So, he gives them very clear instructions. It's like he's saying, Okay, take a deep breath, do not fear, don't try and run to the left or to the right, stand still. Don't move. And watch and see what God will do. And then, go forward. <clears throat> so, here, are, here, we, here we are. Stand firm, which is related to fear. All of it's related to fear. Fear not. So, stand firm, see, and go. So, with that in mind, with that in mind that's how I want to finish out. Just speaking to those three things for just a moment. Stand firm. This is how we handle life. This is how we handle trials. So to stand firm is to know that God is in control. He is sovereign over all things. God knows exactly their danger. In fact, who brought them to the Red Sea? God wasn't just running them around in the desert and going, oh no, look what happened. God brought them to the sea. And he knew where they would be. He brought them to the sea. And he was not about to abandon them there. And as we've looked back in the last sermons, from for excuse me—from Abraham, from Isaac, from Jacob, God had promised, "I will be your God; you will be my people. I will be with you. I will not leave you. I have made a covenant with you." And so this comes down: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, forty generations of the Hebrews comes down. He said, "You might be at four, ten years of." rebellion and idolatry, but I will not leave you. In fact, if God does not move in your life and in my life, then we would, we would be destroyed. Everything belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to God. And God will not leave them to be destroyed by the Egyptians. And this really is the message of the Bible. God saying to you today, to me, I, if you are His, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You are mine. I, I cannot abandon you to destruction. God will not forsake his people. Just let me read a couple passages from Isaiah 41. Oh, beautiful passage in Isaiah 41.8. God says, but you, Israel. Of course, we are the new Israel by faith in Christ. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen... The offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth, called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So he says, do not fear. Stand Firm, know who I am, know the promise that I have made to you. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, who he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine when you pass through the waters. He's speaking looking back. When you pass through the waters, whatever that is, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So that's what it is for us today to stand firm. We don't look to the things of this world. We don't look to the idols that God has given us and made. We look to God and we know that he is the only object that cannot be moved. And we are his creatures. So we stand firm. And so he's saying that to Israel. Stand firm. You know who God is. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And then he says, see the salvation of the Lord. What a miracle we see in the Red Sea here. Now, all miracles are miracles, whether you are healed or whether you all of a sudden can see when you were blind or whether God parts the waters. All miracles are miracles. They all go against natural laws, we might say, as we know them. But the Red Sea is a big one, okay? Here, God opens up the waters for Israel to pass through to the other side. So up to this point, all that the Hebrews could do was watch. And see what God would do. But then he says, after that, (laughs) he says, see what I will do. And then he says, go forward. So here, I think we must observe the order of these things. We cannot go forward, brothers and sisters, as Christians, unless we see the salvation of the Lord. And the salvation of the Lord cannot be seen properly until our fears are calmed and we stand still. A.W. Pink says this, Until we give up all the feverish activities of the flesh. So let's think about this now in closing, this story, in the context of the gospel of Christ. Fear not. Stand still. Hebrews 11.6, great principle. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. This is, this is the, the stand firm. We must know that God is God and we are not. He is the sovereign one. We are creatures. And we must know that all allegiance belongs to Him. To serve anyone else or any other thing in this life is idolatry. And as sinners, we are separated from God in and of ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We are sinners. All of us. All of us born from Adam. In fact, without the mercy of God and in His working to save us, we will perish. Such was Israel at the Red Sea. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to God. And this is the first step of faith, to know that He is God. And he rewards those who seek after him. And, we, <clears throat> and what, what we are reminded of in trials, God is still sovereign this morning. He brings the trials. He brings the tribulations. Even though they come through the effects of sin in this world, But this is what it means to stand still. And when we do, fear goes down. Wait on the Lord. Next, we see the salvation of the Lord. For the Hebrews, it was the parting of the Red Sea as they passed through, and all of the armies of Pharaoh were, dest- were destroyed. They were safe, they were delivered, they were saved. So today, the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes, faith in Him will not perish. But have everlasting life. The Red Sea, God did that. God is saying today which is much greater by the way than the Red Sea. I have sent my son. Acts 4:12 there's salvation in no one else for there is no, no other name given among heaven under men whereby we must be saved. So the Red Sea was a picture of God's delivering his people through his son. So it looks forward. This is what the book of Hebrews is all about. There is but one sacrifice for our sins. And this is what faith is made for, to find salvation in the son. So this is the need of every person born of Adam, which is all of us. And so I would say to you if you are not a Christian today and you know, and the words that I've been speaking this morning are have been a bit foreign to you, but today you understand for the first time that God sent His Son, that He was sacrificed on the cross, that He died as the perfect sacrifice, and that those who trust in Him, God counts His righteousness as our own. He takes... Our sin, we give, he gives us his righteousness, and we are free, and we are delivered. And this is the greatest miracle of all, for sure. If you are a Christian, then I would say be encouraged by these words and some of the things we've thought about in trials and tribulations. But also, look unto Christ today. At the end of the day, it will be the love of Christ working in your heart through the power of the Spirit that will cause all the fruits that will come in your life. Apart from him, you can do nothing we can do nothing and then finally this morning as we think about standing firm and seeing the last bit here he says go forward so this is always the command for us this is our closing application Matthew 28 Jesus says what go therefore go therefore (laughs) make disciples Teach those you baptize to obey my commands. Why? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. So you see the shift. There's not a shift. It's such a great mystery because Christ was 100% God, 100% man. But the exact same authority that was given to God at the Red Sea is now given to Christ. Who says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, you go forward. You go forward forward and make disciples. And you know what? I will be, Jesus doesn't say there, God will be with you. He says, I will be with you because to have Christ with you is to have God with you. So he says, go forward. Today we are united with him by faith. We are seated in the heavenly places and we stand firm as Christians in the righteousness of Christ because we have seen his salvation and our orders are to go forward. And So this is a good and simple way to break down our marching orders as Christians today in this life. <laughs> as trials come our way, life is short and full of trouble. So I hope this has been helpful. And I hope maybe if you didn't get everything, you got something today that can be helpful. I hope that you have a good Sunday, have a good Mother's Day, have a good week this week, if God will allow us to come back again next week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words today. Um, Father, we come in great humility. We know that in our own sins, we were dead, trespasses and sins, and as Israel stood the brink of destruction with no way out, so were we. But, God, who is rich in mercy, sent forth for us your only Son, the Lord Jesus. And He is our sacrifice. And in Him, as all the trials and the fears and the things of life come our way, we know that we can stand firm in the midst of these things and, and find peace. Peace that is not given to the world, but only given to your people. I pray that today Christ would be more beautiful. That non Christians would hear the gospel and, and this week and today, even just look unto Christ and turn and be saved. I pray that you would work. I pray that Christians would be strengthened in their faith today. And uh, Father, we just give you this day, we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church. China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast, Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.